Good afternoon, good evening to all those out there. This is uh, Carbonite Bounty BS once again. Another week, another week with the nerds here. So we welcome everybody on all platforms you're listening to, to another episode of The Mandalorian Review. So uh, without further ado, I'll get this over to uh, DP, and he'll let you know where you can find us at. Nerdsarcopedia.com, people. Make sure that you go into that site where you'll see all our links to all your favorite um, um, platforms that we are on, um, on Twitter, we are on Instagram, and also on YouTube, which you're watching right now, and on also on Facebook. Make sure that you are, when you're watching us on YouTube, click that um, notification button and also hit subscribe. So when you know when we're on, you know that we're on. Uh, make sure that you are subscribing to us on all your favorite podcast outlets, such as iHeartRadio, Apple um, Podcasts, Google Play, um, I, um, basically anywhere that you Spotify, anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcast, we are on there. And also make sure you keep sending us that feedback at nurse at nursecyclopedia.com. We love to hear from you. Right, right. And uh, without further ado, is we're going to jump right into this, guys. Uh, I guess first discussion point before we get into uh, some exciting Star Wars topic is uh, we'll start with Kendo here. What were your thoughts on the episode this week? Uh, I know a little anticlimactic, but uh, what, what were you thinking about so, uh, some of the dialogue and character development we got this week? Uh, I enjoyed the, well, again, we're, it, it's another, it's another uh, series where Mando has to band together with people that he doesn't really like <laughs> and adjust his, his uh, all otherwise isolated techniques of, of you know, getting the job done. I enjoyed the uh, infiltration of the Imperial, uh, um, in, you know, the, the weapon, the weaponry uh, uh, in, uh, installment there. That was, that was awesome. The way they had to get the the, uh, the the truck in there and avoid the pirate attack. I mean, I thought it was action packed. The same the same recipe that they've been using all along is just getting better and better and better. And I heard some controversy about the end. Also, just the way it ended, but I thought it was like it was perfect. Now, every episode leaves me wanting more. Like I wanted it to be ten minutes more. I wanted to just see a little bit more. But then, I like the way they're doing the cliffhanger. Um, I like the marshal. Uh, Cara Dune is playing a bigger role, and I think she's going to be around. Obviously, they introduced a lot of new facets to both her personality and Mando's and just the way they work together. So I think the last episode, which is the one coming up, is going to be a real a real humdinger. You know what I mean? What do you think, Hitch? I, I like the episode a lot, like uh, like Kendo said. I really enjoyed how uh, they portrayed that that um, the pirates attacking the convoy, which was a, a sort of a redo scene from Solo. We saw that in Solo. They mess that up and seeing Mando be <laughs> super competent and like just wearing a stormtrooper armor was awesome because you could tell all the pirates were really, really surprised at how good a shot he was. I love that every single time, like a group of them were were jumping on the uh, the Goliath, he would shoot the first, like his first shot would hit somebody in the chest and they go flying, and everybody looked shocked. They looked stupefied that his stormtrooper hit them with one bullet, and I thought that was just amazing. Uh, it was an action-packed episode, and it's one of those situations where you know they want to bring sort of they want to sort of churn up more characters because it makes the, the story more rich and using a red herring opportunity, you know, this, like we, we've been calling it a filler episode. It's an in-betweener where they get to go do an action piece and they get to bring Mayfield back in. You know, I love Bill Burr. So I was just a super huge fan, super glad to see him. And I thought that his attitude mixed really well with the, the action that was going on. 
and of course his fast talkingness in the in the um in the imperial uh officer's mess was important too so i i really liked the episode a lot i enjoyed it very much and i think that uh i i'm a, i'm gonna allow them to have a an hour of uh of gap time here i'm just gonna let it i'm gonna let it happen they're allowed to have an episode of setup same same what do you think dp yeah, a lot, a lot of setup. Not a lot of plot, you know. A lot of setup. Um, um, a lot of action. So, um, it was a give or take episode. I wouldn't say so much is mixed for me, but it was just like, okay, it's it's not too much happening in the episode, which is fine. But considering it, it's a penultimate episode to whatever's going to happen next episode, they better come through with like the final episode to leave us all wanting some more Mandalorian for like you know season three. Um, as Scott was talking, uh, I mean, as, as, as Hitch was talking about, you know, we, we get some, um, the, the stormtroopers. <laughs> I, I, I asked a question to you guys in, in the, um, in the text form that what do, uh, how do, what, what do you, what, what, what type of interview process is it to be a stormtrooper? Because it must not be, uh, much because these guys just get tossed around and, you know, they get their, their vehicles get overtaken and, you know, they get shot down easily and everything. It's just crazy. You know, um, Mando takes over the costume. And um, like Hitch was saying, the um, the pirates get surprised seeing how great of a shot he was because they must be thinking that we don't really see Stormtroopers <laughs> be as, 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 as lethal as, like, you know, this guy is. So what the heck is going on here? You know, so I thought that was just kind of hilarious. And, you know, when they infiltrated the base and everything, how, you know, um, you know, they did it as, as with the ease that they had. Um, Mandalore, you know, Mando is learning a lot about himself. So I was the highlight, I guess, for me for the episode was um, him taking off, obviously, his 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 um, his helmet, you know, right. and it's revealing a very complex character that he's willing to do this thing to sacrifice to save the kid, you know, to, to really get, you know, to the kid and everything. Um, it's really interesting how. You know, throughout like the the this season so far, he's met different people and is and has made him really question um, what we were talking about earlier before we you know got on here his creed, you know his his religion and everything. Um, so maybe you know we'll start seeing more Mando's face from now on and him just growing up as a character. You know, him not sticking to one thing or what he learned. You know what he's learned, um, and it's it's really exciting to see. <clears throat> Uh, you know, and just to finish up as far as my thoughts on the episode, similar to all you guys, I mean, I guess filler is a harsh word to put at it. I mean, it was definitely directed well. It was a good episode. It kind of, if you, you know, followed it piece by piece, kind of flowed like you were playing a video game. That's what I kind of really appreciated about it. They plotted the whole episode was literally t- like you played a video game as far as the chase on the um, Goliath, the way they kind of infiltrated that to shoot him off in top of the interrogation. So the way it was set up, it was set up just like you're playing a video game, which made it really kind of intriguing to me and engaging in some ways as well. Um, as far as you guys were saying with the character development, awesome to see. I mean, obviously he's been getting hints when he dealt, when he met Bo-Katan about, you know, what kind of Mandalorian creed he comes from and how you don't have to keep your helmet on always. And he sees Boba, which really isn't. A Mandalorian, but his father was, you know, adopted into Mandalorian Creed, and right. how he openly takes his helmet off. So, right. I mean, yeah. and then I guess we talk about his parenting, as far as you know, his relationship with Greg uh, Grogu, and as far as how he's developing with that, and you know, it, it's cool in one way, but in some kind of, you know, 
bad guy or, you know, tough guy way a little bit, uh, you know, it, it puts you on both ends. When you see the Mandalorian come out, he's this kind of hot shot, you know, bounty hunter that's kind of, you know, uh, you know, really bad, you know, he's tough. And now we're starting to see that as he grows and develops as a person that, you see that more human element of him, which makes it really cool because, you know, he's starting to open up. He's now showing his his face. He's making sacrifices he typically wouldn't make because he was right. a bounty hunter. Right. He just had to do a job. Right. And now he's right. saying that it's yeah. not really a, a mission or a job anymore, but it's right. really like a, uh, you know, a completion, you know, of a life mission. And, and, and I, you know, but the way it's looking, unless they find a way to get rid of Gregu, I, I see this moving forward as far as, you know, their adventures. So. Um, yeah. one, one interesting thing that you know the, the you know the, the expound on on that um, we see Mando developing as a character sort of like how we've seen um, Finn develop as right. a character from the, uh, as a store regular stormtrooper we talk about you know make fun of stormtroopers mm-hmm. and everything mm-hmm. but we see the human side of the stormtrooper in like you know the last trilogy and stuff so it's kind of interesting to see how they take one note characters. And actually start making, you know, just rounding them out, you know, within this Star Wars um, universe here. Yeah, they're they're even doing that with Fetch too. Uh, yeah. Him a more, he's got more lines. He's got a little bit of personality. We're seeing him fight. But like making the way jokes. He armor, uh, his armor is like, you know, cleaned up the helmet. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He polished that. <laughs> he polished it all up. So they're they're giving, like you said, taking a one note character and giving him a little bit of range. That really, so that opens up opportunity for all these new series that they've introduced because now they're making the characters dimensional and yeah. they can have they can have emotions, they can be down, they can love, they can hate, they can change their minds if they want now. So right. a lot of cool stuff. All right. And uh, I guess I guess the next part is we'll just dive right into it because we've kind of alluded to it. Uh, what was everybody's thoughts as far as then making the ultra the ultimate sacrifice to not only remove his helmet in front of one person, but removing it at a whole imperial base? I mean, that's that's big news for him as far as his thoughts. I mean, you know, I couldn't imagine somebody, you know, in a specific creed or religion, you know, to uh, basically, you know, love something as much as he has with Grogu and to make that ultimate sacrifice literally within a matter of what he had 10 seconds to make a decision yes, yes, to, yes, uh, you know, yeah. it's either my creed or my creed mm-hmm. or uh-huh. this child yeah, in child. which I have giant affection for. So to see him do that was really, was really cool to see. Um, you know, it's just one of another thing that, you know, you can expand upon now. Killed everybody. Nobody, nobody actually saw his face. Not, right? not the computers did. That computer right. system scanned his face when he accessed the database. So they do put two and two together. They'd have it, but he always wears his helmet. So like from an identification standpoint, right. that isn't so, such a big deal. From a symbolic standpoint, though, I mean, when we talk about this guy taking off his mask, it's like when the Joker tells Batman, you know, tonight you're going to break your one rule. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like th- this is not an insignificant thing. And we know that they, they definitely make that obvious in the text. We You know, the title of this episode is the believer well who's the believer here we know mando is borderline fanatic with his religious observance of this of this helmet rule and he takes it off and why does he do that because of the way of the mandalore because of his obligation to the to grogu to the child his obligation uh to follow 
the way of nurturing the foundling that has been given to his care. This is an important, this is more important to him than some silly taboo about a piece of clothing. And, right. and it's obvious that that taboo is important to him and, and that his, his statement at the end, which I liked a lot because he said, he means more to me than you can know. That's what he's saying. He says, he means so much to me that I'm willing to show you my face. And I'm, I'm prohibited from even taking my helmet off. And as, as Mayfield says, that ain't the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Taking your helmet off ain't the same thing as not showing your face. Right, right. And Mayfield was willing to, um, you know, kill all the, um, the, the troopers in there to, to keep his identity, you know, to just to just to say we, we know, May, you know, Mayfield has seen his face and everything. So that 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 thing has been broken there, you know, but he's still willing. OK, well, technically, they didn't really see you because they're all dead, you know. Right. So <laughs> except for Mayfield, except for Mayfield. But, you know, it was it, he put it out front there that um he was sort of willing to keep his to, to sort of keep, because he know how much that means to, you know, um, jarring, you know, then jarring and everything about that. So I thought that was pretty cool on Mayfield's part. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it definitely opened my eyes. And like I said, I know that the one thing that was a complaint as far as the series and some of the rumors were that he wanted more screen time without his helmet off. So it's, it's kind of nice. I mean, it, it also shows that as far as the writers, um, you know, with all these complaints and whatnot, how open they are as far as the cast, the crew, accommodating different actors. So, I mean, once again, kudos to Filoni and team as far as, you know, you know, if that was, you know, this rumor that was a request that maybe that they did find a way to write in to where he got some screen time with his helmet off to develop, you know, Pedro Pascal as an actor as well. So I think that's vital to them as far as their push to get A-list actors to say, hey, look, we're accommodating to you guys, you know, based in certain parameters, obviously, in the Star Wars lore, that we're willing to make some accommodations if you come on board. And, you know, as we get later on to this, uh, this kind of discussion on today's episode, when we denounce, you know, some of the things as far as the releases, I think that's going to open up because some of the actors they have laid out in some of these other series and what they're trying to expand upon, I mean, she, sky's the limit, you know. So, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, I mean, they have some a lot of money. They have Disney's yeah, they, money. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, as far as um, Dendron, it shows, a, uh, like I was saying before, a growth as far as character. So if that was the way to accommodate the actor, it's a right. really brilliant way as far as writing it in to show right. growth in the character. So that's that's what we want to see. You know, they can accommodate all day in the back, you know, on the back end and um, behind the scenes and stuff. But make it make sense to us as viewers so we can, you know, respect the material. Right. You know, the one mm-hmm. thing about it showing his face to get into the Imperial system, which, may, I mean, it makes total sense, right? I'm not knocking it or anything like that. But if they keep doing that where he has to keep taking his helmet off to do stuff, eventually it's going to be like like a night boat. They keep going by a canal every single time there's a canal there, right? So hopefully <laughs> they'll figure out a way to to <laughs> to do this without having to do exactly the same thing. Um, but the symbolism of taking off his, his, uh, his outer shell, right? taking off his outer shell and being vulnerable to the world as part of his love for this tiny thing is such a, uh, an obvious metaphor for uh, parenthood and for fatherhood, specifically for us as, as, as uh, men. Uh, right. that it's, it's just, it's just obvious and excellent. I think that's really cool. It's good yeah. work. Good work. Now, it was. Wait, 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 when you put it in the context, going towards the end, uh, end of the episode and, you know, um, we could talk about that, uh, you know, a slight bit. 
uh, when he's talking of, you know, Moff Gideon about, you know, I'm going to get you and, you know, you're going to remember me and I'm you, this child means more to me and, you know, blah, 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 this and blah, 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 that. When you put it in that context, um, Hitch, it really does make sense as far as how everything, how much this just means to him. It was just sort of thrown off to me when I initially seen it. I'll just have to go back and watch the episode again that he said that in that way to Moff Gideon like that. So it came off to me a little bit, not so much cheesy, but just a little off um, in, in my initial, you know, viewing of the episode. But in that context of what you said, it, you, you are, it is right because we were talking about him growing as a character, him saying that, and this is his way of expressing how much he's going to, you know, go to the, to the, to the rim to, um, you know, defeat Moff Gideon to get that child back. So yes, I'm coming to get you <laughs> and you can't stop me. Nothing right. you can do. I have Boba Fett too, by the way, just in case you're curious to who else is coming with me. Boba Fett's coming. Yeah. I think the only problem I had with it, it was kind of like the positioning of when he did the threat. Cause it was after kind of, we got, part of his heart so to speak so you know he opened up to us as far as his love and affection and then when he kind of dropped on the threat it just to me felt a little like eh, you know because you're seeing the soft side of him a little bit mm -hmm. so it was just kind of like ill-placed and not and just in my personal opinion that you know he's kind of this you know loving caring person that you don't see obviously with the helmet off or with it on more rather speak so you know, it was just a little bit one of those, like, eh, maybe if they gave us five more minutes of something, you know, him kind of ramping back up to be the bad guy or the kind of tough guy that we see him as, maybe made it make sense. But to me, I don't have an issue with it. It just kind of hit me as, you know, as we're at this point to where we kind of understand him as a person and mm -hmm. people are falling in love with him, that yeah. the threat thing was kind of just like, eh, you don't yeah. have to be tough right now. You know what I mean? It's one of those yep. things. He's dangerous yep. though, right? I mean, right. I mean, Mayfield sees Boba Fett and is relieved. That should, <laughs> that right. should count as something, right? And then he sees Mando and he's like, oh my God, <laughs> this guy again. And it's Boba Fett, you know what I mean? Like, you know, uh, Boba Fett, obviously, I, I say this because Han Solo knew him by name, right? So he has to have some sort of, he has to be notorious if, right. if Han Solo knows who he is, right? That's my rule. I stick to that. Mm. Good rule. Yeah, and oh, then I guess. I, I, so Solo is actually moving up there as far as one of my favorites. So. I told you it was a good movie. It, it started I, off, I mean, that, it was just on so, the Sidebar and everything. It, it's yeah. not as terrible as some people make it out to be. So started out bad. It's just it, knowing it, the thing. In the sidebar. I stand by my B+. Plus. I stand by it. It's not bad. I gave it like an 88. I feel like I was fair. And the only thing about Solo is that you can't not you can't not be Harrison Ford and me not notice, right? Like that's the only thing is it's like, like it's it's like you know I can say that he did a good job. Like the actor did a good job in that show. Like it was good. I liked the performance. I thought what he did with Han Solo was good. He he did all the he hit all the marks I needed him to hit. Right? He's not Harrison Ford. I mean, it's, it, it ultimately but, I have but, to just acknowledge it, that that's it, not. It, it, I can only get to a certain level. If you're looking at it. Thin. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're looking at it from a perspective of, um, you know, new generation coming in, not Harrison Ford, doesn't need to be Harrison Ford and everything. Not to say that this guy is it, but, you know, he made it a fun movie. And uh, I appreciate a lot of the stuff that, that, that happened in the movie and a lot of the plot threads in there, too, you know, with, um, 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 I can't even think of his name right now. Um, the end plot. Huh? Darth Maul and then the uh... yeah Darth Maul yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I need that resolved somehow. 
the Disney, the, the George Lucas special yeah. edition of Solo with the deep fakes, with the deep fake Harrison Ford is going to solve all the problems for me. I already know it. It'll happen in a couple of years because George Lucas will be like, look, you know, Harrison, you know, he's, he doesn't need the money, but he does. We also don't need to ask his permission. So we're just going to do it. He, he apparently needs the money because he, he's coming back for for Indiana Jones five. Well, he has oh, he has like yeah. kids in yeah, high school yeah. now and stuff. He's had kids in high school since like the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> and that that actually leads into that leads into another point. It's kind of we can tie into all this stuff. Did anybody hear about the uh, press release that uh, finally came out as to why George Lucas sold Star Wars to Disney? Anybody read about that? Uh he wanted to live his life. Um, uh, part of it. So in the press release, he announced that he sold Disney Star Wars. First off, the discussions, and this is all you know hearsay, but it was confirmed. There was an interview happened. He thought that he would have more creative control that he did. Which I mean, if you sell somebody something, why would they? <laughs> why would they? Painted my, you painted my bedroom in the house I sold you last year. Like it's like selling the used, uh, selling the car to somebody to change the rims on it. You know, they can do what they want. <laughs> So uh, the main reason, I guess, that he was is, first off, when he was filming the original trilogy, I guess he got real sick. And the issue is with George Lucas, he's a perfectionist, obviously, kind of like Filoni and whatnot. So he actually got real sick during Return of the Jedi, and they said, in The Empire Strikes Back, I was hospitalized and stuff. And basically, when he does his projects, he never wanted to leave him. Second point is, so when he did the prequel trilogy, the fan backlash, literally, he took it to heart. Like, literally, because that was his writing. There was nobody else. Those were his stories, his characters. And the backlash re he received really put him in a dark place. So it kind of shut him off as far as a writer and wanting to finish it. But when it came to finish it, because he always had the final three, the reason that he really sold it to Disney was him and his wife have a younger daughter. And he knows as his project that he didn't want to be a semi-executive producer, but he he's always hands-on. So the idea was that he wanted to ride off in the sunset, sell it to somebody who he thought would do his vision and keep it going. But ultimately, it was because he had a, you know, he has a, a younger daughter now that he just wanted to uh, grow up with and kind of let it go. So um, that was the real reason, I guess, he sold Disney Star Wars. It really wasn't about the money or being done with it. It was just he. Because um, Lord knows he didn't need any more money or anything like that. Um, <laughs> Lucas Arts and you know toys alone. You know he was. He was doing well, but it was one of those things. He's an eight hundred million dollar movie by himself in nineteen eighty. He's good. <laughs> you know what so, I mean? So like, is that the reason good. why the the next two movies were directed by someone else, but written Correct. by him? Okay. All and right. the problem I was, was they, kept trying to walk, they kept trying to get him to walk away, but he's one of those guys. Once he shows up on the set, he's involved. It was one of those like they wanted to show up and have his ideas, but then once he's there, he starts directing. And, you know, the stress and his age. So it was just one of those things to where it was right finally for him to if he would because he said that if he wouldn't sell it, he'd always be involved and he didn't want to be like, you know, kind of, you know, half in and half out. So okay. it was cool to hear that finally. Why to put some rumors to bed. So oh, interesting. I'm glad he's in good health, at least. Right. I'm glad it's not something like that for sure. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? But I'm glad I, I'm, I think for George, it was. I mean, the the prequel trilogy had the the writing was the issue, right? I mean, it's hard to say anything else. I thought the dialogue was a problem, and um, but, I mean, honestly, but, I, I think Disney's but, doing a better job, quite but, frankly, in the aggregate. Right. The prequels spawned so much stuff from his ideas. So if it wasn't really for the prequels, you wouldn't have a lot of stuff from like the Clone Wars and Rebels, and you know, a lot of those ideas and everything from from the that spawned from the prequels, right? I will say right. this: 
my favorite I, moment of this entire episode, apart from any of the character stuff, was that seismic charge they dropped on those Tie Fighters. I was, I was like, <laughs> yes, the whole, I was like, yeah, that, that was pretty decent. And that's for episode that was, two, which is probably my least favorite one. So you know, yeah. we we so we say these things. I say these negative things about these movies that I love. You know what I mean? Like it's not like it's not like episode two, episode one, or like you know, forty out of a hundred or whatever for me, but. Uh, you know, for me, it's, it's, as it's someone like, who's like who loving just... a baby, you, mm. you love every part of it. It doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> it, it, you, you, you criticize one part of it and then, you know, but you but you still love it, you know, that's but, true. you know, you got to you got to make your opinions known. So that's totally fine. We know you still love it. <laughs> I don't think the every... hated hated uh, what Phantom Menace uh, Clone Wars that much. I mean, I was there at those those celebrations, those conventions in 99 and in 2001. Hundreds of thousands of people that were there because of those movies. I mean, I remember there's a moment where it was Celebration 1 for Phantom Menace. And we were in the, uh, actually it was Celebration 2, but uh, they were in the RCA Dome. Packed, filled. It was a question and answer with George Lucas um, and the fans. And this little boy waited in line to go up and ask George a question. He must have been eight years old. Eight years old. Finally got his chance. He only said two words to him. He said, thank you. The entire uh, place exploded with applause and cheers because that's what everyone was thinking. So I don't buy any fan backlash. That's, that's BS. There isn't a... There isn't that's a, a, that's a loud minority, huh, Ken? <laughs> any of those movies, any of these, any of these stories. And, yeah. you know, like I told you guys, I'm, I'm in the movies. But I dig the comic books, and I under you know I, I accept every side story that's been written, and the, the I mean George Lucas is dad, he's the father of this whole thing, and I think I think a lot of the what he what he said he probably wanted to move on with his life and enjoy his family, and that's why, and he want, he put it in the best damn hands that you could, yeah, friggin' Disney, I mean if they any. Did deal with fantasy and children and, and family and build yeah. a story it's disney yeah. so yeah. Yeah. one thing i like about uh, about the new uh, era of star wars is i think when when we talk about phantom minister we talk about attack of the clones that was the star wars that year you know what i mean that was the star wars that three years it was one thing and it was one shot and that's all you got disney has an opportunity and they're taking advantage of it obviously to to have more flavors of star wars right if you're more of a prequel fan, there's going to be these some of these shows that are coming out where they're going to be more geared to you. Like Bad Batch looks like a prequel people sort of Bad show, Batch. right? Yeah. Yep. There are other shows like the Obi-Wan show with Ewan McGregor that's going to be a prequel people show. And then there's going to be other stuff that's going to maybe bring other people into the Clone Wars cartoons like you're saying, Kendo. I mean, it's not like I didn't get into those things because I thought actively, ooh, you know what I mean? It's just that I was at a place in my life where those particular flavors of Star Wars weren't speaking to me directly, right? And I, and I think that certainly there's a segment of the fandom that doesn't really get that and thinks that Star Wars has to be a letter directly written to them from George Lucas. And if it isn't, they have like, you know what I mean? Like real big issues. But for yeah. me, it's like when I talk about like my opinion, it's always just like, how did I think? Of it? What did I think about this? What's my viewpoint? And my viewpoint, unfortunately, or fortunately, is anchored to, to, you know, five months after Return of the Jedi came out and after that. Right. Like I'm just stuck in time here. So I'm never not going to have been in college when episode three came out and, and didn't, you know what I mean? And there were certain things about it where I was like, yeah, it didn't really hit all the boxes for me. Right. So when I say, I say these things because 
you know, I like, I like, I like refining what I do like, right? When something comes out like Mandalorian, I like to be able to say, this is what it does differently than these other instances of the thing I like, right? Because I talk about Phantom Menace, but I loved Phantom Menace when it came out, when I was 15 years old. I thought it ruled. I came out of that theater stoked, came out of Attack of the Clones stoked. I came, I saw Attack of the Clones after a show I did that night in my senior year of high school, right? Like we went to the midnight show on that night. So I was in costume from that show, not from Star Wars, which was dumb. But I just didn't have time to change. So I cosplayed, but the wrong way on on episode two. And I left that place feeling like it was great. Uh, you know, Re Return of the Sith starts out with that, with the biggest, like, capital ship space battle in the whole Star Wars, right? So that has you jazzed up. When I talk about things, like, that didn't hit for me, it's all about the character work. So it's like, you know, that sand speech on Naboo. Like, if you cut that out. Like, the guy, Daxter Jaxter from the, uh, the restaurant. I mean, we can, we can cut that out, right? We can streamline some of this stuff. But for me, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't, you know, certainly wouldn't say that anybody who disagrees with me about the prequel trilogy or enjoyed it more than I did is wrong or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, I think well, that there's a big line there. That's the great thing about fandom. You can have your opinion and so long as you're still talking about it and putting your money down, you have right. every right to be a fan and have every right to have whatever opinion you have about it. Because the bottom line is you're putting your two cents in. And, I mean, you feel that, you know, once you put your money down and, you know, buy your paraphernalia, buy gold, get your movies and everything, it's a piece of you. You know, you don't own it or anything like that, but you still have a right to say what you need to say. So it's just totally okay. It makes great for debate. It makes great for podcasting. It makes great for, you know, just talking about what you love, period. So, hey, have at it. Right. And that kind of leads into our final point here as far as the uh, week and, um, Kind of can leave it open to the question of the week as far as uh, what was really everybody's thoughts of kind of our version of Star Wars celebrations or basically Star Wars press release leading into the uh, new year or basically, uh, I guess we'll call it Star Wars or Disney Star Wars Phase 1. I mean, the bomb dropped. I mean, geez, you know, 10 shows. I was, you know, messaging you guys as soon as I started seeing it, you know, Star Wars, uh, you know, Instagram, you know, whatever you use, Twitter. I mean, they were just one after another just release release i'm like what is this you know a couple trailers on there i mean i'll say one of the interesting as far as my take on the whole release if you haven't noticed what uh you know feige and you know, the execs even down at filoni are doing with these episodes of mandalorian is it's really their audition for these different directors so let's take deborah chow for instance she's directed a couple episodes of mandalorian she has i believe the free reigns on is obi-wan I believe she's the director of the Obi-Wan series, or that's, one of them. That's going to be so good. I mean, so, you know, yeah, so, you know, it, what this is is an audition for these directors to see if you can fall in line to what we want to do as a vision, we're going to have you direct your own series, and that way Filoni doesn't have to do everything. It doesn't have to be, you know, these other these, these people that are already on Lucas, uh, you know, Lucas Arts. And it really just, you know, I don't want to say this again, but it just goes to show, like, the last three movies – how it could have been done the right way. I mean, they're doing this as far as the interview process. Do you understand Star Wars? Do you understand what we want? So that way, when we get to the vision and the production, all this stuff looks the same. It's, you know, like we wanted. It's, there's it synergy. Looks cohesive. It looks cohesive. It, is, it yes, doesn't necessarily have to be the same, cohesive. but it's more cohesive to, yeah, to people all, who actually understand yeah, the material. That's, yes. that's all we ask for. And I can maybe speak for myself, but I think all Star Wars, all we wanted to do is look. Like we like we feel like we belong in these environments. When you watch the Mandalorian, I feel like I can be there. 
I feel like I can interact with the characters. It feels Star Warsy to me. Some of this stuff just didn't, and you know, for whatever reason, people thought they can take their own spin on a script. But like I said, I like the kind of how each episode we're seeing. Robert Rodriguez did one. You know, they're they're getting some some of the higher end producers to do stuff to see. Hey, if this works, this episode is good. Then we can hire you to do a series. Because I mean, based on what we heard, I got what eight or nine series total, and that's in two years. You know, we talked about. 10 and you know five we got eight and eight to ten in, in less than two years coming out plus a couple movies that are still in work so uh you know we'll start with kendo what, what were your thoughts on the, the big press release this week oh i almost couldn't keep up with it every time i turned around there was another one uh, <laughs> i think i think that disney was giving us a uh, early an early christmas present um sort of an end to um, um obviously a tragic year Yes. To give us something to look forward to, forward to in the next five years. Um, Rogue Squadron, super, super in, stoked on that. Um, that Bad Batch, that looked that looked really cool. There was a good trailer for that. Obi Wan, I think there's a there's a Boba Fett in there too. So that definitely is interesting uh, to me. But I thought, man, what a what a way to end the year and begin the, the next year. Now then, I started thinking about that. Everyone knows what 2021 is, right? Mad Max took place in 2021. <laughs> oh, just, just walk away. Just walk away from Disney+. So I'm, I'm not as optimistic as a lot of people. Like, 2020 is the worst year ever. <laughs> One is oh, okay. For us and, and Disney's giving us this to look forward to. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> on, a, on a side note, it's the Furiosa prequel, which I'm a little let down. I hope they expand on it, but they're actually going backwards for the Mad Max movie. Yeah. So it's a Furiosa movie. Yeah, the Fury was was not great, but I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a Mad Max fan. I'm a Mel Brooks fan, but also Mad Max. That whole series, that whole anything post-apocalyptic, sign me up. I love that stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the Fury wasn't real great. You like post apocalyptic? Just go to Jakku, right? Yeah. <laughs> I want to see the ja- I want to see the Battle of Jakku. That, that's what I want to see. And I feel like that is the Chekhov's gun from the from the sequel trilogy. I want to see him pay off. I've been thinking because like, there's some of those big battleship battles you can see in some of the trailers for this week that has me super jazzed up. Uh, I'm so stoked for Rogue Squadron, man. I can't. I yeah. cannot wait for Rogue Squadron. I have been explicitly begging Disney to do this myself. No. On this is, show, is it going to be Sebastian Stan as Luke because he's one of the main characters in it? If he's it if he's right, if, if he's Rogue Five or Rogue Six, I mean, if he if he's like you know, it doesn't he have to be. It's Luke and then the uh, the other guy. Well, the there's Reg, there's Wedge and Tycho, and there's you know, right. Rogue Squadron has sort of a a cast of characters that's sort of designed to represent the planets and important races in the New Republic. So it's almost like this diplomatic sort of example unit, right? And it is—it's almost like the Blue Angels, right? Except they're extreme. Except they're also used in combat. You know what I mean? Um, there's a lot of Jedi that filter through Rogue Squadron, and you know Wedge Antilles, who we know from the movies, is the the titular commander of Rogue Squadron. Certainly, in all the expanded universe stuff, uh, yeah. uh, we know it's going to be taking. You know, we know when it's going to be taking place. It's going to be around the Mandalorian, you know, kind of era. That would be a Sebastian Stan, a 30-ish year old Luke Skywalker, maybe. You know, processing through the the fame of being the man who destroyed two, you know, the Death Star and and all that stuff, 
And, you know, I, I would I would welcome Sebastian Stan as Luke Skywalker. You know, in um, in Dark Forces and Jedi Academy, they did not use Mark Hamill's likeness for Luke Skywalker. And I will be honest with you, even though these are not great computer graphics, I didn't realize right away. Mm. I mean, I knew it wasn't his voice because Mark Hamill's voice is very distinctive. But I didn't know. I didn't recognize the polygons as not Mark Hamill. So I think that there's room for this. And look, if if something has to happen to Luke to take him to being this hermit and something had to have taken him to not trusting his nephew, right? It couldn't have just been dark side influence. So there's a story here with his collection of the Jedi and knowing that, you know, we're going to watch this and we watched Luke collect his Jedi disciples. We know it ends in tragedy. So it's mm. almost Shakespearean and it's, and it's sort of, um, and it's, it's sort of a downfall. So it's so interesting to see, to, I really hope they go there. I just want to see them put Wedge in an Ewok suit and make it look like an Ewok is flying a TIE fighter. If they give me that, I'm going to be so excited. It'll be like the best thing ever. They called him Commander Commander Jub-Jub. Interesting sidebar that Luke discussed you just had. Um, there's an interesting read out there if you guys. I know a couple of you guys read the books. Leading up to the episode uh, seven with Ray. there's a Luke Skywalker book called The Legends of Luke Skywalker. And it basically tells what Luke has done after between six and seven. And I'd like to see that on screen because some of the things they said, I mean, you guys, Hitchens and some of the EU stuff have heard what he's, the power he has and harnesses with the force. There's a couple of different readings in there that he's on a planet and he literally brings two star destroyers out of the sky to the ground with the force. Like, I'd love to see that on screen that, or that, even in the Disney fun. short story, so to speak, format they're doing. I mean, mm-hmm. so I think that'll be the next, hopefully, I won't say I want it to, it is, but that's my thing. I mean, if we can find a way to get a Luke series and to see, like you were saying, what led to this to kind of tie in everything and to see him, you know, grow as a Jedi Grandmaster now, mm-hmm. that, that, I think that's the, uh, that's the, <laughs> well, that Luke's, on top of Darth Vader would be the two. I'd, well, we, I'd, we know that he develops this insane, like, uh, force casting power. We can broadcast his personage to a different planet using the force, which means, which means uh, beyond the speed of light, by the way, in case you're wondering how, how incredibly impressive that is. But Luke is, is underrated as a Jedi Master because until, you know, we get to Episode Eight, you never really see him after he's had a whole bunch of Jedi training. I mean, we see him in Return of the Jedi probably with about as much training as maybe Obi-Wan had in Phantom Menace. So, you know, Luke has always been sort of classically underrated as a real, as a power source, as a, how powerful of a Jedi is he, because we've only ever seen these tiny slivers of his career, and it's right when he's just learning how to do stuff, and right at the end, where he's effectively, like, marshaled his power in the Force for, like, 20, 30 years, and then uses it all at once like and spends it all at once on this on this hologram effect which is which is insanely awesome so i i i'm uh, i'm there for you know sebastian stan being luke skywalker i'm there for letting mark hamill voice luke skywalker in the animated stuff just to be like no it's really the same character we're just meshing it you know we're melting it all together just because of time (laughs) time only moves in one direction and that sort of sucks in this case you know um, but in some cases, it's very good. We're very far away from Genghis Khan, and he won't ever get closer. Because that's good stuff. Um, what do you think, DP? Hey, I'm 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 all for you know the Soka. I, I I tell you one thing. Um, and I said this in a in a group chat there. Um, if they hadn't announced a lot of these before, the you know the Mandalorian season came out, it came it would come across to me watching this thing. Okay, here's a setup for this. Here's a setup for that. So I, I know where this is this is going to go. So. 
let's get back to just the Mandalorian stuff. So try stop trying to set us up for, you know, new series and everything. But to not know about this and for me to look at it come from an organic way of, you know, um, like Ahsoka coming in, like, um, you know, Bo-Katan and everything, it's, it's really enjoyable and it makes me much, that much more excited to see some of these series coming up because they are offshoots of what we have just learned and, you know, the Mandalorian. So I am just way super excited because... I'm not the biggest, you know, the, I'm not, you know, you guys on the level of Star Wars, Star Wars fans and everything, but I am, I'm really super, you know, amped for Ahsoka. Um, I'm delving into like, you know, a lot of um, clone stuff, you know, Clone Wars stuff and everything and some, re you know, Rebel stuff. I hope we get to talk about, you know, in future episodes, you know, just, just, I'm, I'm really amped on seeing how, and I'm anxious to see Thrawn. I want to see <laughs> Thrawn. I really want to see Thrawn in, 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 in physical form, you know, live action form. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think it's like you said, um, <clears throat> typical Star Wars wouldn't have did that if Feige wouldn't have came on. But as we see as the Marvel phase succession, and I mean, you know, they throw this in, you know, now what, what the phase is, what, two to three years, four years down the road to lead us to something. They see that there's no really backlash or, you know, it's that anticipation building to the that villain. Like you're saying before, maybe we're leading into, uh, you know, a Thrawn or, you know, a grand. Hey, maybe if, leading if, into, you know? if, if Thrawn is the the lead up to whatever future Star Wars movie happens, I'm all for it. You know, if all these, these series just come up to, OK, well, we got to like, you know, band together to battle Thrawn. I'm I'm all I'm down. I'm in. All something for sure. It might not be a movie, but I mean, maybe these series tie into, like you're saying, you know, a, a Thrawn, or I'm sure a, a Thrawn will be Ahsoka's main villain in her, so, her yeah, series. Yeah, so. I'm thinking that's the same That'll thing. Too, be yeah. The same thing. Um, but we have so many different flavors because there's so many of these announced. So if right, you don't, yeah. like, even if like one of these is sort of a dud, it's like, all right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just, they've taken the, it's almost like they've taken, um, like Star Wars used to be like a football game and they're taking it and turning it more into like a basketball game or a hockey game. You know what I mean? We're like, Oh, if, you, if something, if something goes wrong here. Okay. Well, tomorrow we'll, we'll play again. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully yeah, it'll yeah, eventually be like a baseball goes. game or who really cares? Hey, you know, you, you, you make some, um, you know, bad calls there. Just keep it going and everything. I'm sure like we'll eventually see again because we got Hayden Christian, you know, coming back, you know, as Anakin, uh, <laughs> as Darth Vader, so we and the people trashed him, you know, um, on message boards and everything back then when he was, you know, Anakin. Now they're super excited to see him come back. So it's really funny how that goes, you know. So um, I, I, and I'm all for continuity. I'm, I'm just all for it. So I'm happy to see that that happening, too. Yeah, so I guess leading into this, you know, ending up this week here, uh, Kendo, what, what are some of your final thoughts on our discussion today and. You know, what you're looking forward to, I guess, in this season finale. I'm just hoping for an hour, not, you know, 35 minutes. <laughs> he takes his oh. 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 What a reveal. Wow. So let me just say what I'm looking forward to, okay? Mando getting a little more emotional, right, about this. It's going to come to a head, okay? We have a lot of untapped power in us. And it's all going to come out. Um, I think in this last episode, he's really going to, really going to blow out. I think we're all going to be surprised at how 
how multifaceted he is. And he's going to take Moff Gideon to the house. Big one-on-one, full-on battle. In fact, I can see him at telling Fett to just hold off. This one's mine because he doesn't know what he's dealing with. He doesn't know what he has possession of. And this thing means more to me, to, to me than he will ever know about anything in the galaxy. So that's why I liked, I liked, I liked his taunt. And that little that Navy officer that came in and said, you got to see this. So she interrupted Moff Gideon from whatever, whatever headspace he was in and said, you got to see this because this guy means business. So I think it's going to be a huge last episode. I can't wait. What do you think, Hitch? I think that we're going to see, you know, maybe some comeuppance from Moff Gideon. I, I think that, you know, we're going to see this resolution. I want to see what it's going to cost Mando to get the child back. That's what I want to see. I, I think that it can't be free. You know, I, I think if you're if, unless unless there's a cost here, what was the point of this kidnapping? It certainly shouldn't be a red herring. So I want to know what what Mando is going to have to pay to get this child back. And I want to know how he's going to deal with that cost. Right. Because we know he wants to. We know it doesn't matter. He will pay it. This is what this episode told us. He will pay whatever it costs to get the child back. What's the price going to be? Right. What do you think, DP? I think this was the first episode of the series we didn't see the child, right? Uh, if you count, I think maybe one. He doesn't because well, he doesn't saw, get to the first him, episode. You know, he doesn't point, get to. Well, we saw him point, you know, touched um, Mando's hand and everything. So we we saw that portion, mm-hmm. but I don't think we've seen any of the child. You know, yeah, not in this uh, episode. Not in no, this not episode. episode. You're right. So, this is this is a first here. Yeah. So that was that was um, really really interesting. How everything is just leading towards the this this final episode, and I'm just like you guys too. I'm looking forward to sh- to the showdown between you know uh, Moff Gideon and um, uh, Mando. There, you know, they don't have to pay off anything, and 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 what happened with um, Bogatan, uh, you know, Ahsoka, Thrawn, and all that stuff because. That doesn't matter. They get their own series. We need to deal with what's happening with this. We need to get the child back. We need Moff Gideon defeated. And we need to find some more, you know, um, uh, uh, get that uh, black saber off of him, too. Yeah. And uh, to finish up on me, you know, I'm kind of on the same thoughts. But, you know, I will say as far as last week that I have changed my idea that Boba Fett will live on. So he will not die. But I, I'm still on the same point that I think it's going to be a dark ending. I think it's going to be a dark ending. They already announced season three. So, like I said, I think that it's probably going to live. He might not get defeated. He might get a child back. But like Hitch is saying, there's going to be a cost. Um, I, I hope they wouldn't kill off Moth. It seems like his perfect kind of anti-hero type person because i mean moth in some of the comics was not really as, as evil but he was kind of an anti-hero at some point there was humility in him he did obviously thought that the empire was the way to go but he wasn't this kind of all evil you know it wasn't necessarily a, a sith apprentice as some people think and that's another thing i mean how does if he has some of the force i like to see some of his abilities so that i think that's going to be my most interesting part is how does moff gideon get off in a fight with Din and, and how that shakes out, but I think it might be an even stalemate. Both take damage, and one of those he climbs on the ship and they, you know, fly him off. And the based on his suit, you know, uh, maybe he wears a helmet. Maybe we might get some Darth Vader tie. And he already 
almost looks like him. So yeah, I yeah, think that I yeah. think he might get a face scar or something in, in season three. We might have him helmeted up. So that's really my final thoughts on this uh, this upcoming episode in this past week. Awesome. So, um, yeah, once again, guys, uh, we thank you guys for listening to us, whether you're uh, listening to us days later on your favorite uh, video or, excuse me, audio streaming devices, or if you're live with us on YouTube now, um, definitely appreciate it. Look forward to uh, getting into it again this week with our big, big, big season finale on The Mandalorian here, season two. So without further ado, uh, thank you guys for your um, appreciation for us, listening to us. And um, as always, guys, this is the way. This is the way. This is the way. Encyclopedia.